about you, I'm just glad I don't have to watch that video anymore. I feel like I'm going to have an anxiety attack every time I watch it. Well, I just want to welcome everybody again here this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, we are so honored that you're here with us this morning. And thank you for letting our students take over. Let's give them one more round of applause. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we love working with the high school ministry, and it's really become our passion. And uh, we love what we get to do. And we want to thank you, parents, uh, for allowing us to partner up with you and help your children know God. And uh, we're just grateful every day that we have the opportunity to do what we, we get to do every single day. So thank you so much. And I just have some good news that I wanted to share with you before we get started today. Uh, I don't know if Emily Garcia is here. Could she, is she here? Go ahead and stand up, Emily. This is Emily Garcia. And yesterday, Emily got baptized. And also, uh, one more good uh, piece of good news. I want to go ahead and have Kyle Hayden. Where are you at? Go ahead and stand up. This is Kyle. And Kyle's getting baptized today at 2 p.m. So. I have one more shout out. There's a guy out here. He's a freshman. His name's Armando Sanchez, and he's turning 14 today. So I just wanted to give you a little shout out. Uh, happy birthday. So we're, we're definitely excited about what's going on in, in our ministry. And Teen Camp is such an amazing event that we do every year. Uh, but today we're actually wrapping up a series that we've been, uh, that we've been calling Breathing Room. And uh, I cannot emphasize enough really how important this topic is. Because I feel like it's something that we all wrestle with. This is something that we all deal with on a daily basis. And so if this is your first time with us this morning, let me go ahead and define for you what breathing room is. Breathing room is a space between our current pace and our limits. Breathing room is a space between our, our financial pace, our, our scheduling pace, our current pace. It's where we are and our limits. That's what breathing room is. And for too many of us, there's not enough space. There's just not enough breathing room. You know, if you were to look at our lives, our lives would look something like this, okay? This is not my closet, okay? Um, wait, what's going on? All right, cool. That's not my closet. That's actually Peter Garcia's closet. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyways... Sometimes our lives look like this because we are trying to cram so much stuff into our life. We're trying to get every, we're trying to squeeze every moment out of every single day and we're so busy and we're trying to do so much and we live our lives right on the limit. We live our lives right on the limit financially. We live our lives on the limit in our scheduling. We live our lives on the limit uh, emotionally. And consequently what happens is that we leave no breathing room. There's no breathing room in our lives. And so what we've been saying throughout this series is that life is better when there's breathing room. Actually, why don't we all take a deep breath together this morning? It's nice, isn't it? Feels good. Feels good. And uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about uh, how to create space in our finances. We've also talked about how to create space in our schedules. But today we're going to talk about how to create space relationally. And here's the problem. The problem is that as we try to get the most out of life, as we try to squeeze and cram all this stuff into our life every single day, 
And we try to add one more thing in after another. And finally, eventually, as we add one more thing, that happens, okay? That's also not my closet, okay? But uh, the closet breaks. You try to fit one more thing in and things kind of break down. And now maybe this has happened to some of you ladies in the room today. Maybe this has happened to you personally, but maybe you went home one day and you saw one email and it was just another email out of a series of emails that you got from the same person. And you felt, you just felt like you were in a puddle and and somebody walked into the room and they're like, Hey mom, Hey dad, what's wrong? And you're like, I don't know. (laughs) Because you had a breakdown. You finally broke down. It was the last straw. For some of you, you had a financial breakdown. It was that last bump. It was that last bit of bad news. It was that envelope that came in the mail and you just had enough. It was the end for you. And in your effort to squeeze one more thing in financially, in your effort to squeeze one more thing into your schedule, eventually there was a meltdown. There was a breakdown. And some of you are on the verge of this in your marriage. Some of you are on the verge of this in your relationship with your kids. And some of you might be in this right now with a relationship, a really important relationship in your life. And some of you have already had this happen in the past. This has happened in your past relationships and you promised yourself, you said, I'm never gonna go back there. I'm never gonna allow there to be such little space, such little breathing room where I lose another relationship, where I lose another relationship, where I distance myself from my kids again. And yet here we are and you're in the same place that you were before. Because we said in the beginning of this series that our relationships, our relationships thrive when there's breathing room and our, all right, what's going on? Our relationships thrive when there's breathing room and our relationships die when we're living at our limits. And so today, as we wrap up this series, I want to specifically talk to you about relationships. And what I want to do is I just want to share with you my personal breathing room story and how I came far closer to this than I ever thought I would. And the thing about this story that you don't know about is that you were involved. And about three years ago this summer, Ayumi and I, we were actually brought in from our college ministry, uh, our great campus ministry. We were brought in from there and we were brought in to actually lead our teen ministry here in the Lighthouse Church of Christ. And so, you know, if you weren't here, about a couple of years before we came in, there was really nobody leading this ministry. Uh, there was kind of, there's some great people filling in and they were doing a great job, but there was really no one on staff who was really focusing on the young, uh, on the youth ministry. And so we were brought in to do that and kind of build it back up and to reinvigorate it. And so it was an amazing opportunity that we had. And at this stage in our lives, Ayumi had just graduated from Cal Poly Pomona and she got her degree. I was in my second year of college and we just got engaged. And for those of you who have ever uh, maybe launched a business or for those of you who have ever started something that you were excited about, it was very, very, very busy. And there was just so much to do, yet we were so excited about the opportunity that we had been given. Meanwhile, Ayumi and I, we planned our whole wedding and got married in three months, okay? Some people take a long time, okay? We took three months to plan and get married. And not only that, during this time, my wife started working in the hotel industry where she was working these insane hours every day. So for the first two years of our marriage, this is what our schedule looked like. 
During the day, I was going to school. I had class. You know, I was doing things. I had meetings. I was getting with people. I was doing Bible studies. And, and, and in the middle of all of that going on in my day, my wife would go to work. And she wouldn't get home till most nights at 1 a.m. in the morning. And so for two years, this is how our life was. And as a result, she began to feel very disconnected from me. And she felt very burned out all the time. I mean, you got to understand, she was working full time and she was trying to lead our ministry with me. And on top of that, she was trying to be this great wife in which she was, but she was just getting burned out. And so eventually, near the end of last year, uh, Ayumi had the opportunity to be hired on uh, to work alongside with me with the teen ministry. And so I thought, naturally, I said, hey, things are bound to get better because guess what? We're working together now. And we're going to be together every day, okay? We're going to be best friends. Things are going to get better. I knew things were looking up. And uh, I thought that was going to happen. But uh, after some time had gone by, uh, that was not the case. And after some time had gone by, uh, things in our life were really crazy, and it suddenly occurred to me that there just was not enough time. There's just not enough time. I love my job, I love my wife, but there's just not enough time, and things were getting really intense at home. And to make matters worse, I just wasn't going to work every day. I was raising up the next generation of the church. Right? I was doing God's will. I was doing something that I felt called to do. I'm doing something that I feel so passionate about. And we were so excited, but things were so, so very busy. Now, for those of you who have ever met my wife or maybe you've spent time with my wife, she is such an incredible person. She is incredibly capable, okay? I'm, I, and, and, and to be honest with you, I feel like if we were to take a, a leadership test, I'm like 100% positive she would score higher in leadership than me. I mean, serious. I think she's a natural leader. She's organized. Uh, she's efficient. She calls people back. Okay, my greatest weakness. Okay. I know I put myself on blast. Okay. That's a big weakness. Uh, and she's the most get it done person I know. And she's helping me work in these areas. She's helping me grow in these areas, that, these areas that are very hard for me. But anyways, in these very stressful times, because she's such a capable person, she continued to take on more and more responsibility. And she was so supportive of me. But there was this tension that was growing in between us. There was this tension that was growing in between us. And being in the ministry, I knew the end of that story. I knew that if we didn't change anything, I knew if we didn't take action, the end of that story looked kind of like that picture that I showed you, a big mess. And, it, and not only have I seen, I mean, I've seen this happen as a, as a youth minister. I've seen this in families. I've seen this in the lives of young men and women in our ministry. But I've also seen it specifically in the lives of men and women who were in the ministry and their children. Because in the world of ministry, there's this idea that I'm doing God's work. And so we pray a prayer that kind of looks like this. Lord, take care of things at home while I do your work and build the church. And it seems so glorious. It seems so noble. 
seems so spiritual and it just seems like God would answer that prayer, that God would cover all the bases, that God would fill in the gaps so that I could do his work and build the church. But I have talked to enough students and I've seen a lot of preacher's kids who are so confused, whose lives are a mess and they've left the church and they didn't like the church anymore because they felt like their parents were married to the church. And this is something that is a big fear of mine. As I've pursued ministry, this is something that scares me. And so I knew that something had to give in our life. I knew something had to give in our schedule. And the other thing is this, and, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, uh, but I don't, I don't want a marriage with, where my wife and I, we're just committed to the marriage. We're just committed to the marriage. I don't know about you, but when I got married, I married Ayumi. I did not marry marriage. And when she got married, she didn't marry marriage, she married me. And I didn't want our marriage to get to the point where we were just committed to staying married, where we were just working together. I didn't want that. Now, I think people should be committed to staying married, but if that's all you got, it ain't no fun. Come on, bro. <laughs> it's no fun because everyone is just showing up. We're committed to staying married. We're committed. Now, I think there's a place for that. I just don't want to be in that place. That's all I'm saying. That's not where I want to be. When I walk in the door at home, I want my wife to be excited I'm home. When I walk in, when I'm coming home, I want her to enjoy me coming home. And I want to enjoy coming home to my wife. Yet, at this point in our lives... Things were getting to the point where I was getting home around 10, 10 p.m. every night. Every night I was coming home, seven days a week, I was coming home at 10 p.m. And she was just exhausted. She was tired. She felt lonely. She felt like, I feel like I just get your leftovers and I was feeling bad and I was missing dinner every night of the week. And so things were really tough. And finally, about four months ago, uh, after having some tough conversations, after kind of walking around on eggshells with each other. And, and to be honest, I really had no idea what to do. I didn't know uh, what the solution was. Uh, we actually had set up some time uh, to spend some time with a couple in our church, a staff couple. Their names are Jamie and Anna Slobodnik. Uh, they're an amazing couple and they helped us out so much. There was this uh, specific conversation that we had with them that I, I feel like really helped me and really helped my wife. And after we had met with them, I th we had one of the most important conversations that I've ever had in our marriage. It was the most important conversation that we had ever had. And I believe this conversation resulted in one of the best leadership decisions I've ever made. And so in this conversation with my wife, I asked her this question. I said, what does ideal look like? What does ideal look like? In an ideal world, what does my schedule look like? In an ideal world, how does this all work out? I want to know. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get frustrated. I just want to know. What does ideal look like for you? Now, I'm going to tell you what she said in a minute. But I want to talk a little bit about this tension. Because I think we've all maybe felt this tension at some point in all of our lives. You see, when we hand to our husband or we hand to our wife or we hand to our significant other, whoever it is, 
when we hand to our children a responsibility that they are not equipped to carry. It's like handing them a big rock. It's like handing them this big, I'm going to put this down, it's a little heavy. It's like, honey, I got to go to work and I'm going to be gone a long time and I'm going to be traveling more than usual and I need you to carry this responsibility but I, and I, that I know belongs to me, but I need you to hold this for a while while I do something else somewhere else. And we all know that there are seasons in our lives, there are times that there are even days or weeks where you have to say to your kids, hey, hey mommy and daddy, kids, mom and dad, we're going to have to be gone for a few days. We're going to have to miss a weekend or two. Hey, mom, mom's going to miss a couple of games or dad's going to miss a couple of your performances. And so we hand our spouse and we hand our kids this big rock. We give them this load. And this load represents a responsibility that we should carry that we're expecting them to now carry. And you know what happens when we hand it to them? They always accept it. They will always take this load. Because after all, I want to be a good husband while you work. I want to be a good wife while you travel. I want to be a good, a good son. I want to be a good daughter while mom and dad work hard. So yeah, dad, yeah, mom, I know you're not going to be at my game or you're not going to be at my performance. I understand that. Yeah, I'm going to miss you. Yeah, I wish you were there. But I'll carry that load. And so they take that load. And they always take it. And the problem, the problem with that is that when we leave them with that load and we never come back to get it out of their hands, you leave it with them. And time goes by and time goes by and time goes by and they begin to slowly wear out. And there's a tension and there's problems and there's stuff going on. And we don't even exactly, we don't even know what it is. We don't understand what it is. And here's how you know. I have three ways that you know that you've handed that load off to someone in your family. The first one is when you constantly are repeating promises to do better. You're constantly telling them you're going to do better. Daddy's going to do better. Mom is going to do better. Honey, I promise I'm going to do better. And they're crying and you're crying because you know that you've done it again. And you've come home late again and you scheduled something late again and you prioritize someone else over them again and you did it wrong again and you promise and you promise and you promise and nothing changes. There's no changes. And every once in a while, we try to justify this by approaching them and we say, hey, how's that rock? How's that? You doing okay with that rock? You, you doing okay with that rock? Here's some flowers. Here's some, here's some chocolate. Here's some golf balls for you. You doing okay? And then we leave them there. The second way we know about how we're doing this is that we are constantly absent from important events. You miss another game. You miss another performance. You miss another birthday. Oh no, honey, it's our anniversary. I forgot. I'm going to be gone. The third way that we know that this is happening in our lives is by constantly pointing to the future to make up for the past. It's going to get better next year. It's going to get better next summer, next Christmas, next birthday. I promise it's going to get better. 
I know I missed it this time, but next time, next time. When you keep having this, these same conversations over and over and over again and nothing is changing, you have handed someone in your family a load that they were not meant to carry for very long. Then eventually their willingness to carry this load is overtaken by emotional and sometimes physical exhaustion and they drop the rock. They drop the rock. And when the rock drops, intimacy is gone. When the rock drops, your grades go down. When the rock drops, you tell your kids and your spouse, I've got a trip and I know it's last minute. I didn't know it was coming up. It just came up on me. And instead of seeing disappointment in their eyes, you begin to see in their eyes, I'm glad you're going on another trip. It's less stressful when you're here. I feel less anxiety when you're not here. Now, if you haven't been there, you may be there someday. And there's nothing worse in a family than when the rock drops, because unfortunately, sometimes there's irreparable damage in those relationships. Sometimes it means the end of a relationship. And even though some pieces can be put back together, not everything can be fixed. And sometimes it even takes years to build the trust that was lost when you asked someone to carry a load that they were not meant to carry. But because you had something else to do, you left it with them a little too long. Now, part of the reason why I think we do this and why this happens is this. We love progress. Okay, we love progress. And, and at work, we can measure progress. Okay, yet when I'm at home, I can't measure anything. I'm just home. When I'm at work, I can stay an extra two hours and I can make a little bit extra money and I can get a little bit more ahead. But when I'm at home, I'm just home. There's no bonuses connected to being at home longer. No one's giving me an award for being at home. And so I understand this and I think God has put this in you. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork. God has created you. And he's created you in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so I think God has put this desire to do good things and to to progress. I think he's put that in your heart. It's not a bad thing. But when it gets out of control and when your desire for progress and your desire to make more money, when those things begin to compare with the essential things, with the fundamental things, And when you begin to cheat what is most important for what is secondary, then there's a problem. There's a problem. So with everything I've said, Ayumi and I, we were sitting there and she was in tears and I asked her, what does ideal look like? What does ideal look like for you? And she said, could you be home for dinner every night? I mean, I want to have dinner with you. I want to set... a tradition of having dinner together. So when we have kids one day, we're having dinner together as a family. Can you be home for dinner? And can we take a couple days off a week? I mean, God even rested on the seventh day, okay? We don't have to be busy every night of the week. Can we have some time off? And so I made a decision. And as hard as that was, it was actually kind of an easy decision to make. 
Because I really believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he came down on this earth and that he rose from the dead. And I believe that there were people who saw it. And I believe that those people who saw it went around and they spread that news. And many of them wrote parts of what we now call the New Testament. So I think we should take the New Testament seriously. And in the New Testament, there's a guy named Paul. You might've heard of him. He's a pretty important guy in the New Testament. And he said some very specific things about marriage. In fact, look at what he says here in Ephesians 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is the introduction to something he's about to say to me as a husband. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit means I put myself under you. I, you mean, I put your needs above my needs. Submit says, Ayumi, whatever you need, I will do everything in my power to meet that need. Because look, check this out. I have never been called as a man to submit to my career. I've never been called as a man to submit to my career, even if it, my career is in, is in the church. And there's the tension. I've never been called as a man to submit myself to my desire to make a name for myself and neither of you. I've never been called to submit myself to making more money and neither have you. And then Paul, he goes right into the heart of this very topic. And he says in verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, what? Love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church. And how did he do that? He gave himself up for her. You give up your ambition for her. You give up your desire for progress and all those good things that God has put in your heart, you give those all up for her. So in that moment, I knew I really had no choice. I really had no choice but to create breathing room in my marriage by putting Ayumi ahead of my job, which ultimately ahead of you. And the thing is, I didn't even have to do this out of reverence for Christ. It wasn't like, well, I, I really don't like Ayumi, but I really like Christ. So I guess I'm going to submit myself. Okay, that's not how it was, okay? I love my wife to death. I love her so much. And fortunately, there hadn't been a disaster yet. We were just kind of, you know, we were on the edge there in our schedule and in our lives. But let me tell you what the obstacle was. And the obstacle was what we talked about in the first week of this series. You see, the thing that fights with the breathing room in our lives is not a financial thing. Okay, it could be financial, but most of the time it's not. The things that fight with our breathing room is not discipline, although we can have discipline problems in our life. The issue when it comes to really creating breathing room is this word right here. Fear. It's fear. It's fear of what if I don't? What if I don't measure up? What if the ministry does not continue to grow? What if they, they, they get rid of me because I'm just not doing a good enough job anymore? 
What if I'm not good enough? And I'm afraid of what people might think. I'm afraid of what they're gonna think of me when I tell them that I'm gonna take a couple days off a week. I'm afraid of how people might interpret that. I think I'm afraid of how they're gonna think I'm lazy. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And none of us, none of us wanna admit that we're afraid. But what drives the, the breathing room right out of our lives sometimes is fear. It's fear. And what I had to learn to do is say no. I had to learn that sometimes it's okay to say no. It's okay. Because I kept thinking in my head, how am I going to say no? How am I going to tell this person I can't be there? And in my mind, I'm thinking, God, can you build our ministry on 50? On, 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 and when I'm, if I'm not working 50 hours a week, can you do that, God? Can you do it? And it was so hard for me because people were like, hey, you want to meet up on Monday? And I'm like, sorry, buddy, uh, can't, meet, can't meet with you on Monday. That's, I'm going to be with my wife. Like, can we meet up? I, okay, if you can't meet, I can get together after work this week. I'm going to be having dinner with my wife. And now there's, there's rarely there's exceptions, but for the most part, I protect that time oh, with my wife. Right. And to help me through this, I began to pray a different prayer. I changed the prayer that said, Lord, Take care of things at home while I do your work and build the church. And I switched that around and I began to pray, Lord, take care of things at church while I take care of things at home. God, do you think you can... God, do you think you could possibly take care of things at work? God, can you do that? Oh, God, who, who's created the universe who's created human beings, who's created past, present, and future. Do you think you can handle things at work while I take care of things at home? Can you do that? And the answer is, of course you can. Of course you can. And here's the last thing that I've happened to learn in the last few months. And it occurred to me that I really only have one unique role in my life. One unique role. And for my whole life and for your entire life, you may only have two or three unique roles. And the one unique role that I have in my life right now is being a husband to my wife. That is my one unique role. And if we happen to have children sometime soon, then being a father to my children. That's it. That's it. Anything else I do, someone else can do. And newsflash, someone else will do. Okay, anybody can come lead the team ministry. I'm not special. Okay? I'm not special. Anybody can come in. Somebody will come and do this someday. Somebody will be standing here talking to you at another point. Okay? This is not a unique role in my life. My only unique role in my stage of life right now is being a husband to my wife, Ayumi. That's it. That is my one unique role. And maybe for you, it's being a father. Maybe it's being a mother to your children. And to your kids. And you will, always, you will always be their only father. You will always be their only mother. And, and teens, okay, they'll leave you out. Your one unique role in your life right now is being a son and a daughter to your parents. 
You will only be their children for the rest of your life. Friends will come and go, things will come and go, but you will always be a child to your parents. That is your unique role in your life. So it dawned on me, why would I trade what is unique for something that somebody else will do at some point? That's a bad trade. That's a bad deal. And I've seen enough family relationships look like a mess and enough relationships look like a mess and fathers and daughters and, and, and fathers and sons and moms and sons. And I've seen enough relationships that went bad. And I've talked to too many men who were trying to rebuild their marriage and put things back together, but it was too late. Because remember, you only get to live through your 20s once. You only get to be a teen once. You only get to go through your 30s and your 40s and your 50s once. You only get to do this once which means your kids are only gonna to be toddlers once. And they're only gonna have their first game once. And they're only gonna have their last football game once. And you can't redo any of it. You can't redo any of that. So why in the world would you trade your unique role for something that someone else can and will eventually do? And when I realized that, I thought, you know, there's no way in the world that I'm gonna give that up. I don't care what we live in. I don't care what I drive. Okay, I drive a 1990 Corolla, okay? I'm not exactly a baller, okay? And I'm sure my teens aren't looking at my car going, that's a sweet ride right there, okay? No one's saying that about my car, okay? I don't really care what I drive, okay? I don't care what I live in. I don't care how big the ministry is. There's no way in the world I'm going to miss out on my marriage with my wife. There's no way. I'm not going to miss out on that. So here's my advice to you. Don't trade. Don't make that trade. Don't trade what is unique for you for something somebody else will do. It even rhymes, okay? It even rhymes. And I want you to remember this. That's a bad trade. And I can promise you, you're going to want to go back and you're going to want to redo all of it. And the only way to have those kinds of relationships is to create breathing room in your lives so that there's space between your pace and your limits. And the thing is, I don't want to look back 15 years from now. I don't want to look back on my life and wonder what God would have done if I trusted him. I did not want to wonder that. I do not want to look back 15 years from now and wonder what God would have done if I would not have let fear take control. I don't want to look back 15 years, 15 years from now and wonder what, what, what would have happened if I would have taken Jesus' words seriously when he says in Matthew 6, so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows, he knows that you need them. I wonder what it would look like to actually live as if God had that much detail and that much knowledge and interest in my life. What would it look like to not worry about tomorrow? but to focus on what I can do today by working in my family and letting God do his work in the ministry and in the church instead of me doing everything at work 
while he takes care of things at home. And here's the thing, and I mean this with all of my heart, with every part of me, I don't want you to look back. I don't want you to look back 15 years from now and wonder. I don't want you to have to do that. I don't want you to get to this stage of your life and say, I wonder what God would have done if I had trusted him with my high school years. I wonder what God would have done in my life if I trusted him with my high school years in my 20s. I wonder what he would have done if I trusted him in my early years of marriage, in my dating life, with my sexuality, with my morality, with my finances, with my schedule. What if I had said no in order to do what I know God wants me to do in my unique roles? I wonder if God would have done something special. I wonder what God would have done through me. I wonder what story I would be able to tell my kids in the future if I would have trusted him. Where somebody was going to get cheated and I chose to cheat my career. I chose to cheat my job instead of cheat my marriage, my family. I mean, honestly, there are enough regrets in our lives that are unavoidable. There's enough things that happen in our lives that we have no control over. No matter how much, uh, you know, but when we look back on this season, I don't want to wonder what God might have done if we trusted him with everything. And if you, if, if you would have taken seriously the most repeated command in the Bible, the most repeated command in the Bible, fear not, fear not, fear not. That is the only way to create breathing room in your life. And you will never be happier you will never be happier than your relationships. You will never be happier than your relationships. No matter how much money you have, no matter who you are, you will never be happier than your relationships with those who are most precious to you. Why would you trade what is unique for you for something somebody else will do? Why would you do that? So, as I leave you there this morning, where will you choose to cheat? Who will you choose to cheat? And in your desire and in your quest to get the most out of life, let's not lose control of our lives. I mean, please, I'm urging you, I plead with you. This is so important. And this is an ongoing struggle. This is something that this week I was even struggling with. But this is so important that we get because families are being ruined because there is no breathing room. Relationships are being destroyed because there's no breathing room. So let's allow God to teach us to step back from our limits and to create breathing room that we need. And in that breathing room, to trust him, to do what he wants to do in us and through us as we live the rest of our lives. So let me close you out in prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you so much for the unique roles that you have given us in our life to be husbands, to be wives, to be parents, to be sons and daughters. We are so grateful for the roles that you've given us. And I pray that we would never trade those roles for anything. God, because we know that we only have one chance to do it right. And so help us as hard as it is, as challenging as it will be, Help us, give us the strength and give us the courage to make the decisions that we need to make 
to prioritize the people that we need to prioritize in our lives. We need you. And thank you so much for Jesus who made this all possible. It's in your son's name. Amen.